This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome to Saber, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about meat pies. Mm. <laughs> meat pies. Meat pies. Yep. Yes. The craving is already already oh, real. Oh, it is so intense. Yeah. This is a really good meat pie time. It is. For a the, lot of reasons. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so it's Friday the 13th, the day that this is coming out. Yes. And pie day is tomorrow, which if you don't know, but you probably do, because... Who doesn't like pie? Who doesn't like pie? <laughs> the number or the food. Exactly. It's So it's based on kind of a riff on the number 3.1459, so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. March 14th, 3.14. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, by the way, producer Tyler can recite off the top of his head very quickly about the first 80 digits of pie. Yes, and he has it in his bathroom. He has like a framed <laughs> photo of it, which we know because we play D&D together. Um, also, we're friends. But well, sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, if you want to hear him do that, uh, I, I've got an episode about Pi Day on, on my other show, Brain Stuff, uh-huh. that's coming out tomorrow. And at the end, he does a recitation. Oh, that's awesome. It's really cool. That's so cool. I was, like, reading it off the script and screwed it up. And he, like, cut in and he was like, hey, I'm sorry. I just really have to do this. And he just, like, did it for, like, for like 20 seconds. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's so good. We work with the coolest people. I know, right? Uh, I love it. Okay. Anyway, so, yes. so <laughs> yes. pies. Pies. So, yeah, we were trying. You frequently celebrate Pie Day, the P.I. Pie Day with Pies, P-I-E's. Yes. A lot of free pies around Atlanta. Sure. And probably wherever you are as well. Sure. Um, yes. Also Friday the 13th, a good spooky day. Yes. So we thought, how can we combine <laughs> Friday the 13th and pie day? Meat pies. Yes. Because they do feature in a lot of revenge plots. Yeah. Yes. Uh, like, a lot. We're, we're going to go into it in a minute. We yeah. are. Also just wanted to note, Georgia Tech, my alma mater, they do an annual... Pie Day Run. And we have the Pie Mile, so you can see oh, cute. across campus. So uh, anyone actually is probably canceled. <laughs> oh, sad, okay. sad. 
But meat pies, I love them. Oh, yeah, me too. My mom made, I scientifically the best, <laughs> chicken pot pies. Uh. And I used to make shepherd's pie for any Harry Potter-related event. Oh, uh, sure. Yes. And I remember the first time I had a meat pie in Australia— and it was really cold outside, and the pie was so warm, and it was so wonderful. It just oh. sticks out in my brain, mm-hmm. that experience. And I had them all the time in the U.K. and New Zealand. We don't really—here in the U.S., it's harder to find these hand meat pies. Yeah. But in those places, they were everywhere. everywhere. And so I took advantage. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Advantage. There is a meat pie place. They also do sweet pies, but they do both uh, in the mall next to what I call Dragon Con Territory, which is downtown, downtown Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> and it's helped me get through many a Dragon Con. Oh, gosh, I don't think I've ever had one of those, and now I need to look for them. But anyway, yes, yes. Uh, my, my dad would make a chicken pot pie for, like, at work mm-hmm. and bring some home sometimes because he, he was a chef or a cook, depending on how you want to phrase it. Um, uh, it was definitely one of his, like, work-only dishes, though. He would not cook that yeah. at home. I think that he hated rolling out pastry dough as, as, as much as I do. Um, That's fair. Oh gosh, I know, right? But uh, but gosh, do I love a meat pie? Uh, the that that one time that I was in England for like a week, I had like about one meat pie per day, mm-hmm. maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Um, there was this meat pie restaurant down the street from our hotel in Reading called Sweeney and Todd. Oh, <laughs> um, That's good, yeah. The most spectacular one I had was um, this uh, this lamb shank pie at a pub called the Coal Hole. In the London, coal hole. yeah, it's this former coal cellar um, for the Savoy Hotel, and they baked a whole dang bone-in lamb shank into the pie with wow. like with like the shank part, like the bone sticking up out of the crust, and it was so good. It was so good. Wow, oh. I have never had such an epic meat pie experience. I was also drinking a lot of pub ale at the time, um, <laughs> drink responsibly. But at any rate, I, I totally recommend the coal hole. <laughs> Strong recommendation in, from Lauren listeners. <laughs> in London. Anyway, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I'm certainly going to up my savory meat pie game. Um, and this is also partially inspired by uh, a recent guest appearance that Lauren and I did. Yeah, so um so if y'all know Chef Richard Blaze, um uh, he was a contestant on Top Chef way back in the day. He's had a couple restaurant concepts open up here in Atlanta. Um and yeah, uh he's uh he's got a podcast probably coming out with iHeart. Um that probably within the next couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Food Court. And every episode, Richard plays the judge in a case of, like, X versus Y. Yeah. And so Annie and I did a pie versus cake. Yes. Yes. And we will keep you updated. Oh, yeah. We'll let you know when it drops. It was very intense. Yeah. And I think that's in part because we are both intense, perhaps. That is. (laughs) I don't think it was meant to be as intense as we made it. Yeah, apparently not. But, you know, we had a good time. We had a good time, and we have our way of doing things. (laughs) Okay? <laughs> we have standards to uphold for our food, drink podcast we thought we had to represent. Yeah. And we certainly represented... Something. Something. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. It was. Um, but okay, let's <laughs> let's get to our question. Yeah. Meat pies. What are they? Well, a meat pie is a type of pie that contains seasoned meat, uh, generally among other contents like vegetables and or grains and or sauce. Uh, so so you're, you're talking about a, a flour pastry crust with savory fillings, um, baked or pan fried or deep fried. Uh, those fillings are usually cut into bite-sized or smaller pieces for the ease of eating the final product um, and are sometimes pre-cooked or par-cooked. Uh, the fillings are sometimes mixed with a thick saucer or gravy to lend moisture to the product, you know, like keep the crust tender and prevent the crust from burning, while also making the filling more cohesive so it doesn't, like, crumble or spill out as you eat the pie. Um, that crust, it can be thick or thin, crumbly or flaky or chewy, uh, fully enveloping or or just a bottom. Sometimes the crust is also par-cooked before you put the ingredients in. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, these pies can range in size from handheld to single-serving to multi-serving. They're usually served warm, and the result, uh, well, it it varies. It does. Because every culture, uh, I mean, write in if you know one that has not, but like every culture that I know of that has had access to wheat and also eats animals has developed its own versions of the meat pie. It does seem that way. Um, 
The ones we're maybe most familiar with here in the United States are the aforementioned chicken pot pie, which is a oven-baked, like, flaky crust pie containing a creamy chicken and vegetable stew. Um, and then ground beef-based pies, like shepherd's pie, also aforementioned, which is oven-baked with, like, a pastry crust bottom, a filling of ground beef and vegetable stew and brown gravy, and then a top crust of mashed potatoes. So good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Oh, but gosh, like maybe you've had uh, Indian samosa, um, those triangular deep-fried hand pies that sometimes contain meat. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, related and also triangular uh, Middle Eastern sambusak. I'm, I'm realizing as I'm saying this out loud that I've right. never said it out loud before. If I'm saying it wrong, just let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Then there's tortier, double-crusted meat pie out of Quebec. Or uh, Chinese xianbing, which are uh, pan-fried, like a, like a heavier pot sticker, sort of. Mm-hmm. Or empanadas from Spain and Portugal and South America and the Philippines. Um, empanar, meaning to wrap in bread. Though all kinds of dough are used these days, depending on the starch available in the location. Or Moroccan pastilla, or Cuban pastelitos, or Cornish and other pasties. Um, is calzone a meat pie? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I know in the brief research I did for that aforementioned Richard Blaze thing, uh, people have strong opinions about all every certain type of pie, <laughs> whether it's a pie or not. Like if it has a bottom crust but no top crust, everything, everything. So I'm sure some people would consider it a meat pie and others would not. But listeners, you can write in oh, your opinions. Absolutely. We would love to hear them. We would. But in the meantime... Some fun etymology for you. Mm -hmm. The word pie probably came from the Latin word for magpies. What? Yes. That's great. Yes, it's so good. So prior to the 1600s, these birds were just called pies or pies. But why name the food after them? Perhaps after their habit of sticking all kinds of things in their nest. And that's a solid definition of pie throughout history. All kinds of things have and still do go into that filling. Sure. Yeah. And this is how we got sayings like eat crow and four and 20 blackbirds. The name could also be inspired by the black and white plumage of magpies and the appearance of medieval times, which at the time, the crust was like very white and the insides often very very dark. dark. Okay. Yes. Yes. There are records of folks using pie as an adjective for things that had black and white patches like piebald horses. Oh. So possible. Sure. Yes. Magpies also went by haggis, and haggis recipes at the time called for all kinds of things, too. Wow. Yeah. That's Good delightful. Good on you, magpies. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Perhaps not as delightful nutrition. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, meat pies will certainly fill you up and keep you going. So much fat and protein. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually heavy on the fat and the salt and the carbs. Low on veg. I would say pair it with a nice green salad. Yeah. Always recommending a salad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you know, in, in, enjoy them. Enjoy them. Yeah. Right. I feel like, and this is no, please don't angrily write in about this, <laughs> but when we were in um, Harry Potter World in uh, Universal Orlando, the theme park, um, which is supposed to be in London. Englandy. Yeah. Yeah. All of the meat pies they have there do come with a salad. Oh, they do. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah I consumed one of those. Indeed. But we are aware that that is not uh, necessarily the most accurate <laughs> representation no. of the culinary scene in the UK. But just uh, one of my more recent experiences with meat pies. Yeah, I, sure. Yes, I mean for for best nutrition, you should probably pair literally everything you eat all the time with a green salad. Mm-hmm. But ice cream and salad. Yeah, the official recommendation of savor. Oh no, we've lost so many, <laughs> so many people right then. I can hear, I can hear the subscriptions going down. Oh. <laughs> but we do have. Kind of some well, numbers for you. Okay, yeah. So like, so like, global numbers would take a lot of compiling yes. that I didn't want to do. To be super honest with you guys, but right. like, but like, I will say that um, perhaps especially throughout the former British Empire, um, but it seems like really everywhere, like the aforementioned everywhere, <laughs> um, meat pies are a nostalgic comfort food, if not a health food. Um, so the balance between those two factors has led to a rise in meat pie sales through the first decade of the 21st century as, like, recession was happening and stuff like that. And then something of a dip in the in the second decade of the 21st century. During those, those 
Halicon times when people didn't feel like the world was on fire for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone trying to eat a little healthier and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, as as a planet, we are still eating just a lot of meat pies. Yes. Um, even some of, some of the movements um, in some wealthier populations to move away from meat have been balanced out by some of the up-and-coming populations moving towards meat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and this episode we're going to do more of an overview but as we said, there are so many different types. Oh, gosh. And we could do a full history on pretty much all of these. Exactly. Mm, what a fun mini series that would be. Oh, yeah. Perhaps one day. But let's talk about that uh, revenge meat pie thing. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is glorious. This is one of my very favorite things. Yes. I'm so <laughs> glad you came up with this. Um, so, yeah, there have been so many cases of meat pies used for revenge in our pop culture, usually via a person chopped up and then cooked into a pie and then fed to an unsuspecting target for revenge. Usually it's somebody that the person who is eating the pie knew and cared about, but not always. Not always. Yes. Sometimes it's just chaos. It's absolute chaos <laughs> in the revenge meat pie world. <laughs> One of the most famous examples comes from Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus. For part of his revenge, Titus kills the two men and bakes them into a meat pie, which he serves to their mother before killing her, too. Um, yeah, yeah, two, two, two of the oh, kind of villains of the piece. You could argue—and I'm not going to get into Shakespeare with, okay. with y'all that hard, but I will say that it's one of those reveal lines because part of the fun, part of the quote-unquote fun—I'm sorry, I'm so weird and goth—part um, <laughs> uh, of the fun of these revenge pies is that there's always the moment— when they realize there's there's usually this moment where like someone is like oh man where's this person and yeah. someone else is like you're eating them right now lols yes. um <laughs> and then they like realize they see something yeah. in there and they're oh yeah. yeah yeah and that moment in Titus Andronicus is uh is 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 in rhyme because of course it is uh why there they are both baked in that pie where thy mother daintily hath fed eating the flesh that she herself hath bred oh yeah. Gross. Super gross. Also, I saw the movie when I was probably really too young to see that movie, maybe 11. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's an inappropriate time to see that film. I, I have not returned to it because I remember Gosh. being so disturbed by this. And then the guy who got buried up to his shoulder, it was just his head. Sure. And he was going to be left there to die. That really freaked me out, too. Of course it did. Welcome. I was like, I'm like 10 years older than you, and I was freaked out when I saw that. So... <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I will also say that there that the the excellent Vincent Price film, Theater of Blood. Um if if you're not Theater familiar of Blood. Theater of Blood, it's about all of these murders based on theatrical stuff. Oh. And so there's there's a scene in that that riffs on this Titus meat pie thing. Okay. It's it is so everyone go out, anyone who's like a lit nerd theater nerd, go out and watch it right now. Vincent I will Price is beautiful. After this is done. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. back to that Sweeney Todd thing. Oh, sure. Yes. Right. Um, so for those not familiar, uh, he was a barber from Fleet Street, Fic- London. Fictional. Fictional, yes. Yes. Although well, I, I did read some articles about, is he real? Who was he based on? But anyway, um, and he gave his partner in crime, after he would kill victims, he would give them to his partner's in crime, Mrs. Lovett, who would bake them into pies, sometimes called the worst pies in London. Well, they they were the worst pies in London before right. she started putting humans in them. And then they were so delicious, she started selling out all the time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Upsetting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Game of Thrones gave us one of our most recent examples of a revenge meat pie. No spoilers. It exists in there. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I suspect that these latter examples were inspired by the first, by Titus, which was itself inspired by all of these Greek revenge myths, uh, like the Thyestean banquet, in which Thyestes is served his own sons, and the myth of Procne, who serves her husband, their son, and maybe specifically where Shakespeare got his idea for Titus, and the slightly more historical tale of Harpagus, um, a general who has served his own son, um, or other Greek myths about eating and serving your children, from uh, Cronus to Tantalus to Lycaon, um, although none of these are done in pies. Sure. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Or not not to my personal knowledge. I've never seen a translation be like it was pie format. Right. 
And that can be kind of tricky, but I've never really considered other forms of revenge pies. Or not (laughs) revenge (laughs) eating of your children. Ah, there's that South Park episode. Scott something must die. Uh, Okay. It's a bowl of chili. (gasps) Yeah. All right. Cartman's all like, made you eat your parents. (laughs) Well, now I have this concern, (laughs) though perhaps I shouldn't. But no, no, I mean, it is it is a whole trope. It is a whole popular enough trope that it has its own category in TV tropes, among many other cannibalism tropes, uh-huh. um, uh, called familial surprise cannibalism. That's one of my favorite things I've heard in a while. <laughs> <laughs> familial surprise cannibalism. Like, thanks, humanity. Like, yeah. Oh, At least we all agree that it's monstrous. Yeah. Well. If in an entertaining way. Indeed. Well, mm-hmm. and of course, of course. Um, not not revenge wise, but just uh, baking people into pies wise. Um, there is an episode of Hannibal that features a human kidney pie. The crust on it is even stamped with like the design from the face masks that are used on criminals in oh, that franchise. Really, it's really cute. I I know that I've seen it, um, and I was always slightly disturbed by how delicious everything looked in that show. <laughs> oh yeah, I think that's part of the point. I think that yeah, yeah. I think that's what they were going for. Well, well done, I've, <laughs> success. I've really only interacted with that. Show. I've never watched it. I've really only interacted with it through food blogs recreating <laughs> Hannibal's meals with hypothetically non-human ingredients. Again, humans <laughs> love it. All right, let's take a, a hard right turn here. <laughs> sure, <laughs> <Okay>. sure. <laughs> and let's talk about humble pie. Oh, okay, yeah. The phrase. So we're all probably familiar with this phrase, eating humble pie. Mm-hmm. All right, so I was curious where this came from, and I looked I looked it up. And so removing the, the liver, heart, entrails, and other organs from a deer and cooking them used to be a common practice. And those innards were called numbles with an N. Okay. Yes. And this came from the old French nombles, which came from the Latin lumbulus, meaning a little loin. The word for loin was lumbus. This is also where we get the word lumbar from. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, the cheap innards were more often eaten by the poor. Eventually, the N was dropped to humble pie, and you can see... With accents. Yeah, yeah. Humble pie, sure. Yeah, humble pie, totally. Yeah, but essentially it was it, – it's deer was a popular one, but any kind of cheap innards that okay. if you could afford not to, you wouldn't eat, went to the pie. So eating humble pie, humble pie. There you go. So when it comes to, to pies here in the United States, I would say we – most of us think of sweet pies first. Absolutely. Yes, and that's not the case in a lot of other places in the world, but here, sweet pies. Mm-hmm. But that was not – Always true. Oh, no. For a lot of history, it certainly was not. And we will get into that after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, pies have a long history. Oh, gosh, they do. Yes. The first records of Pi go all the way back to 6,000 BCE and ancient Egypt. At the time, they were called galettes, and they were typically made with oats, rye, barley, and wheat, and a honey filling. To cook them, people used hot coals or, or rocks heated by hot coals for, like, early method of baking. Mm-hmm. If we skip ahead to 1300 BCE, bakers started adding things like nuts and fruits to the filling. Bread dough frequently acted as the crust. One of the ways we know about this is through drawings discovered in the tomb of Ramses II. That is delightful. You know, I want to a pie depiction on my tombstone. (laughs) (laughs) If I ever have. I don't know. What are those called? Mausoleums? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I would, oh, yeah, yeah. We would get you some real good, real high-quality hieroglyphs. Uh, Thank you. All, all the pineapples and all the pies. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. In the future, they'll be like, what was she about? <laughs> it's clear. It's right there on the wall. Pineapple pies pie. Pineapple, <laughs> yes. That's all you need to know about me. Huh. The ancient Greeks are believed to have come up with the pie pastry, a paste made out of flour and water as opposed to bread or bread crust. Um, This was then commonly filled with meat. Ancient Romans adopted this practice, probably filling their early pies with all kinds of meats, including oysters, mussels, and lampreys. Mm -hmm. Cato the Elder included one of his time's most popular pie recipes. Um, So this was around 150-ish BCE. The work he did around agriculture had a recipe for it for placentas. Which was a pie. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> yes. And they, these pies were sometimes used as offerings for gods. They were sort of cheesecake-like, um, baked in a pastry. As pies spread, people adapted recipes to fit what they had access to in their region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Early pie crust served far more as a cooking and storage container and serving implement rather than food. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. In fact, the pastry part was often so tough, uh, probably inedible. Essentially inedible. Yeah, essentially inedible. The crust had to be really thick to survive long baking times. For centuries, pretty much anything baked was a pie because the crust was the only container that we had. Yeah, I mean, Pyrex had not been invented yet, Mm -hmm. uh, and the crust would keep um, the heat and the steam and the juices of the product inside. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Perhaps because of this, the English called early pies there coffins, which then meant box or basket. I I guess it still kind of does, even though it's more specific. It's a specific type now. Yes. Yes. Um, Many of the first pies were savory with tall, straight crust sealed at the top and bottom. A pie without a pastry over the top was called a trap. Just wanted to throw that in there. I like that. Hmm. Tough crust soaked with juices were sometimes given to the poor or to servants. Legend puts northern Chinese meat pies to uh, at least at least the ninth century CE. Um, there's a, there's a tale of an emperor disguising himself as a commoner to go outside the palace and uh, and being blown away by the beef pastries that he found out there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, though these are linked to uh, savory pancakes in Chinese cuisine, which go thousands of years further back. So. Uh, mysteries history. Sometimes. Meanwhile, by that same 9th or 10th century CE, uh, Persian and other Middle Eastern literature mentioned these savory, handheld, triangular pastries 
like the Samsa, um, which is probably the root of those similar triangular things that we mentioned earlier. Um, these may have been filled with uh, minced meats, nuts and dried fruit at fancy tables. Uh, both sweet and savory sambusak uh, were mentioned in a 13th century cookbook with the, with the meaty one flavored with a coriander and cumin and pepper, cinnamon, mint, and ground almonds. Um, samosa were recorded um, at Indian royal courts as early as the 14th century, reportedly filled with stuff like mincemeat, peas, pistachios, and almonds, um, or with a meat, ghee, and onion. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, but the lower classes were eating these types of savory pies as well, uh, or probably a little bit less fancy, probably fewer, maybe fewer spices, you know, right. whatever was on hand. Um, but reportedly, like, like merchants traveling the Silk Road carried these as snacks, um, and that's how they became a popular street food across the Middle East and South Asia. Well, they are convenient in that way because they do come in their own container. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Makes sense to me. Yeah. During the 13th century, we see the first mentions of mince pies as European crusaders coming back from the Middle East with recipes involving spices, meats, and fruits arrived. And they became associated with religious meals. Okay. Okay. Mince pies were subsequently banned during the 17th century under Oliver Cromwell's rule. Because as a Puritan, a pie oh. was too indulgent for Cromwell. That guy. Uh, that guy. Because of this, people were eating pie in secret for 16 years. Wow. And this is one of those things when I read, I thought, surely that that's apocryphal or that's just a fun story. Seems to be true. It seems huh. to be. <laughs> it's like, no, pie. <laughs> That guy, I'm telling you. That guy. According to the dictionary, the word pie was used to refer to the food all the way back to 1301. Canterbury Tales mentions pie for eating. P-Y-E. Yes. Mm -hmm. During medieval times in Europe, pie crust was still much, much tougher, often requiring a spoon or some other implement to crack it open. These crusts could be baked first and would form sort of a... Pie in the pot. Like, this is where we get the term pot pie. I oh, guess. okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sweet pies were called tarts with recorded recipes dating back to the 1300s. Since sugar was so expensive during the time, a lot of these tarts didn't have sugar unless you were in the upper class. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that tart is still British English for a sweet pie. And pie generally means a savory pie. Though there does also seem to be a distinction between tart being open-topped and a pie being closed up as well. Yes. I ran into that a lot when I was doing my preliminary research. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We have to talk about animated pies. Animated pies. Yes. Like like in like 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 Beauty and the Beast or something? No. <laughs> I was like, is there an animated pie? I don't think the there Beast? is. I was stretching. Yes. Okay. These were a popular form of entertainment at European banquets during the 13 ah. and 1400s. Okay. So you might have heard of them through this nursery rhyme. Sing a song of sixpence, four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. When the pie was opened, the birds began to sing. Wasn't that a dainty dish to set before the king? Or maybe you remember some birds flying out of Joffrey's pie if you watched Game of Thrones. So, yeah, these were pies that had live animals and sometimes humans and sometimes other things um, inside them. Anything from birds to rabbits to turtles to frogs, ready to emerge when the crust was cut. I love the frogs thing. I do too. I just think it would be chaos. Right? You're like, doo, doo, doo. Oh, frogs hopping everywhere. <laughs> Are birds flying out and attacking people? I don't know. I don't think they probably wouldn't attack people. I mean, I don't know the hearts of birds. That's true, but you are suspicious of the hearts of birds. I am. We've discussed no. this at length. <laughs> <laughs> I, for some reason, producer Andrew still likes me despite that. Well, I'm glad that you two were able to work it out, work it out. Um, so just to be clear, the animals and or people were not baked into the pie. No. Yes. No. They, they were added after the crust had been cooked, either via a hole in the bottom or by lifting the top and then replacing it back. Sure. Yeah. Right. French King Charles V loved to throw banquets with all sorts of entertainment when he reigned during the 1300s and food was no exception. Mm -hmm. His chefs created what they called subtlety or subtlety. I didn't look into it, but I, I have a real hope that this is where the word subtlety comes from. I suspect. Yes. 
And these were ornamentally disguised foods, frequently not meant to be eaten. Um, also, as time went on, subtlety could refer to all kinds of entertainment, not just food. Okay. To add further confusion. But anyway, uh, one famous example came from the chef of the Duke of Burgundy when he made a pie big enough to house 28 musicians that played as the pie was opened, plus a, quote, captive girl meant to symbolize how the church was captive in the Middle East. Huh. 28 musicians inside a pie. Plus a, plus a lady. Plus a lady. That's a lot. That's a big pie. And in 1626, at a banquet for King Charles I and Queen Henrietta Maria, they were served a pie with a very small child dressed in armor inside. And he rose up as the pie was opened and bowed to the queen. His name was Geoffrey Hudson, though after this he was dubbed Lord Minimus. He served her for almost two decades, was twice kidnapped by pirates, and jailed after a duel. And why is this not a movie? <laughs> Or a show on HBO. Oh, gosh. The the Adventures of Lord Minimus. I want it. I think it'll happen. I hope so. It's too good a story. Right? It's too good. A 1598 book out of Italy about throwing banquets had this recommendation. Oh, God. Here we go. You you got this? You got this? I I think I can do it. Are you sure? (laughs) Okay. Okay. I believe in you. Okay. Okay. To make pie that the birds may be alive in them and fly out when it is cut up, make the coffin of a great pie or pastry. In the bottom thereof, make a hole as big as your fist, or bigger if you will. Let the sides of the coffin be somewhat higher than ordinary pies, which done put it full of flour and bake it. And being baked, open the hole in the bottom and take out the flour. Then having a pie of the bigness of the hole in the bottom of the coffin aforesaid, you shall put it into the coffin, with all put into the said coffin round. About the aforesaid pie, as many small live birds as the empty coffin will hold, besides the pie aforesaid. <laughs> and this is to be at such time as you send the pie to the table and set before the guest, where uncovering or cutting up the lid of the great pie, all the birds will fly out, which is to delight and pleasure shoe to the company. And because they shall not be altogether mocked, you shall cut open the small pie, and in this sort you may make many others, and like you may do with a tart. <laughs> that's a recipe uh, you wouldn't really see so much these days. No, I've, that's the first one of those that I've ever read. Me too, and it was quite fun. Oh, gosh. I'm just I'm just thinking about just, just baseline sanitation issues of having a pie that you're going to eat and a whole bunch of birds. Yes. In the same unit of space. It is true. That, that. But, you know, at a certain point, have fun with it, right? Enjoy yourself. I suppose. I mean, we still do <laughs> those cakes where ladies pop out. I don't think you eat. I think it's a. Is it not a real cake? I think it's like cardboard and plastic. Oh, wow. I've been living a lie this whole time. I didn't know. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll have to do an episode on it. <laughs> Maybe. But in the meantime. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, uh, meanwhile, during all of this time, um, like since like the 8th century, uh, Muslims had been uh, living in and sometimes ruling in parts of what's now the Iberian Peninsula. And they brought with them meat pies, uh, possibly the same ones that inspired samosa. Um, those went on to inspire empanadas. Um, by the 1520s, a Catalan cookbook mentions seafood empanadas. Mm. Also during the 16th century, pastry ingredients started appearing in recipes. This is probably because this is when cookbooks started being made not only for professional chefs. Yeah, or like not quite like professional chefs like we think of them today because that wasn't a thing yet outside of royal courts. Um, but, but, but rather like up until this point, cookbooks would have been ways for royal courts to share information and like show off to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the printing press was invented in the 1400s, Books slowly became available to, like, not just the upper, upper class, but also, like, the regular upper class. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So these early printed cookbooks around the 16th century um, uh, and, and, like, books of household management were were for the heads of estates and for their staff. Um, And so, therefore, recipes got a little bit more practical to actually share something useful. Yes. Rather than just being like, look at what I did. (laughs) (laughs) I am better than you. Yeah. Records show that the English and Irish were making shepherd's pie and cottage pie by the 17th century. Lamb and vegetable filling for shepherd's pie, 
Shepherd's tinned lamb makes sense. Mm-hmm. Beef and vegetables for cottage pie and both topped with potatoes. So this means I should have been making cottage pie oh. for my Harry Potter parties. Because you were using ground beef. Well, yes. I should have been using ground beef. Oh. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's based in, I guess it's based in Scotland. So I should check out what's going on there. I suspect both, honestly. So, both, yeah. Yeah. At this point, definitely. Well, yeah. Um, these were frugal pies, uh, ways to use up leftovers and cheap available ingredients. Again, that's a recurring theme. Cottage is thought to refer to this and that the lower class who were probably making and eating that pie frequently lived in cottages. Mm-hmm. As European colonists arrived in North America, they brought with them their favorite pie recipes and then adapted those recipes to what was available in the New World. Pie was often present at every meal for early American pioneers, and since food is such a huge part of any kind of celebration, pies became involved in all kinds of contests and celebrations, like fairs or picnics, Mm, the, mm -hmm. the blue ribbon pie. Yeah. Um, The move westward of people gave way to the development of more regional pies as well. In the 1600s, settlers in Quebec ate tortillere as a part of their post-Christmas Eve mass celebrations. I've seen a lot of things about how pies were connected to holidays. Yes. In these times. For sure. Mm -hmm. From Martha's historic cookbook, one of George Washington's favorite pies was filled with sweetbreads. Which are neither sweet nor bread. Nope. Um, and you can see our episode, therefore named, um, uh, uh, about the ingredient from June of 2017 for more on that. Yes. Also a video we did. Oh, we did. Oh, that and was a delicious video. It was very, very good. And it has one of the most, um, I think, touching visuals of people sharing, like laughing and sharing times over food. Oh, Because yeah. Tyler, who was our um, the video editor, mm-hmm. producer at the time. He, we didn't know it, but he left the camera running as we ate. We shared this food together, sweetbreads. And we were just, like, laughing and having a good time and eating and clearly enjoying ourselves. And he sped it up. And I, I don't know. Every time I watch it, I get a little touched. Like, oh, I'll have to go back and watch it. food. Oh, gosh. Yes, yes. Uh, so you can find that online. It is available. Uh-huh. In the 1800s, Germany's Emperor William I was treated to his favorite pie when visiting England's Queen Victoria, a pie with... Here we go. An entire turkey, stuffed with an entire chicken, stuffed with an entire pheasant, stuffed with an entire woodcock. Oh, now that is quite the pie. <laughs> that is a filling pie. That is, that is a pie. Mm-hmm. But okay, why is it that pies in America are most often associated with dessert? Why is it, Annie? Why is it? Well, when sugar became more affordable, sweet pies became more the norm in the United States. According to Carl Degler in Out of Our Past, the forces that shaped modern America, quote, pie in England to this day means a meat pie, but in the colonies that was a pot pie. Pie was reserved for the fruit pastry. And I I, I believe he goes on to say, or somebody else in this kind of argument about, what, how did this happen in the U.S., said it was just kind of us being spiteful too. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to call this thing pie. We're going to call your meat pie Popeye, <laughs> like, doing our own thing. Yeah, that's the very, like, America going through their, like, I mean, not just teenager <laughs> phase. But right. but it was a very rightful rebellion. Yes, yes. And we've talked about that before as well with mm-hmm. cookies. Oh, right. Right, so maybe it's a dessert type. We, were, <laughs> we got sugar over here, so. so. <laughs> um but that doesn't mean that savory pies weren't around sure. in the United States. Going back to Amelia Simmons's American Cookery, the ratio of sweet to savory recipes in that for pies is about even. Okay. But as sugar plantations proliferated across the southern United States and, and elsewhere nearby, um, sweet pies were super exciting. I, I was trying to really imagine this the other day. Imagine you had never really had access to that level of sweetness. It had kind of been out of your reach. Yeah. And then this whole world opens up to you. And, of course, you'd be like, oh, we could put we could put sugar in there. We could yeah. put sugar in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why not? Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. I get it. I totally, d- I totally see. Drunk on sugar power. Drunk on sugar power. When Europeans settled New Zealand in the 19th century, they fundamentally transformed the food culture there. And one of the first recorded instances of a meat pie in that country dates back to 1863, most likely a mutton pie. Yeah. Australia and New Zealand, both very big meat pie cultures. Very much. Mm -hmm. I believe someone wrote in and called it, like, it's an icon. 
funny. Yeah. During Prohibition America, the alcohol content of canned mince pie filling shot up by 14%. Ha! Ha, indeed. (laughs) Um, In 1947, uh, speaking of Australian meat pie icons, um, the brand 4 and 20 debuted. Yes, it's named after the 4 and 20 Blackbirds poem. Um, uh, Today, 4 and 20 is just a mainstay of Australian football stadiums and convenience stores. They're everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, in 1951, the first frozen meat pie hit the supermarkets, a Swanson's chicken pot pie. Yes, I've had a many of those. Oh, yes, me too. Mm-hmm. In 1977, a meat pie-based fast food chain in New Zealand, Georgie Pie, opened the doors of its first stores. It closed in the 1990s, but in 2013, McDonald's added Georgie Pies to its menu. Huh. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's still on it, if anyone write in and yeah. confirm. In 2003, Louisiana legislature named Nakatush meat pie as the official meat pie. And I've actually had these. Oh, um, oh, uh-huh. Yeah, for those who haven't, it's like an empanada filled with spiced meat. In the legend of Nakatush meat pies, 19th century vendors used to shout, Hotta meat pies. <laughs> Historians put forth theories that they originate from both French and Spanish settlers. Sure. It probably is a coming together of a lot of things. As is with many things in uh, Louisiana food culture, yeah. Absolutely. So that's about what we have to say on meat pies, although we could have kept going and going oh, and going. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is one that I had to really hold myself back on. Yeah. Um, as so to avoid just all of the, I, yeah, we'll have to do individual episodes on many, many, many things. Yes, many, things. many delicious things. <laughs> like I was, I was doing research for this last night as the hour was growing late, and yes. I was, and I was needing dinner, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, uh, as I have said, I was recently in Montreal, and um, it was very cold up there, quite cold, and somebody in the group because I went for a puppetry festival mm-hmm. and we were having a group dinner and somebody got uh, shepherd's pie. Oh, uh-huh. And I freaked out and <laughs> he didn't know me. Like, we knew each other but not that well and uh-huh. all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, that's so exciting. Can I take a picture? And he was like, okay, let's step back. <laughs> What's going on here? And I said, oh, I want a food podcast. Like, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> we just did an episode on meat pies. <laughs> oh, that's delightful. Yeah, yeah. He was very patient. I'll probably be posting that picture soon. Oh, awesome. Yes. yes. Yeah. Cool. Fun times. Mm. Oh, yeah. I need to – I have I have some little, like, like frozen samosas in my freezer that I somehow did not eat all of <laughs> last night. But uh, I'm coming for you, samosas. <laughs> Your time is limited. <laughs> <laughs> I've never made a meat pie at home. I uh, – I, pie crust, again, like, just kind of pisses me off. Um so, uh, but I think I'm thinking uh, I'm going to have to make one. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I feel like I don't, I think I might cheat or not technically make a shepherd's pie because I don't think I do the bottom crust. Oh, you're making a casserole. <gasps> That's oh, different. And I've been lying to myself and my friends <laughs> all this time. My Harry Potter themed parties are inaccurate. <laughs> I am brought shame to my house of Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah, five points from Gryffindor, dude. <laughs> Dang it. Says the Hufflepuff, who's by the kitchens and knows these things. <laughs> I couldn't afford to lose the points. Oh. Ay, ay, ay. Gryffindor always wins anyway. It's okay. <laughs> Not always. I know. There's like that one time. <laughs> and I still think about that one time. <laughs> I will update my... If I ever have a Harry Potter theme party again, which seems very likely, oh, I yeah. shall update the menu. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm glad I could meet your standards. Uh, Maybe we should we could join up and you could make a meat pie and I could make a meat pie and then we'll mark off two things on our list. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And then everyone gets to eat more meat pie. Love it. Perfect. Let's do it. Okay. In the meanwhile, <laughs> uh, we, um, we do have some listener mail, but first we've got another quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Mail. It feels like a very, like, I don't know, something in Lord of the Rings. You eat a lot of meat pies. Sure, yeah. And for some reason, I associate gruffness with Lord of the Rings. Okay. Maybe I just Gimli really made an impact on me. Yeah, yeah. I got to explain my process. No, I... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Chelsea wrote... First, I want to thank you both for your wonderful podcast. Oh, thank Thank you. you. I have been listening since day one and have learned so much. Today, I listened to your Macadamia Nut episode, and I wanted to share a brief story related to Macadamia Nuts and dogs. To save you unnecessary panic, this story ends happily, so don't worry. Oh, gosh, I worried. Yes, I'm so good you had that in there. About 10 years ago, my parents went on vacation to Hawaii. While they were there, my mom purchased about a dozen boxes of Mauna Loa chocolate-covered macadamia nuts to bring home as gifts for friends and family. Each box of a dozen chocolate clusters was individually shrink-wrapped and taped shut. When she got home, she placed the boxes in a shopping bag and left them in our garage so that they would stay cool and not melt. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Later that day... We all went out to dinner, and when we returned, we were shocked and horrified to see a trail of chocolate boxes littering the floor of the garage all the way to the dog door and continuing on into the house. Each box had been torn apart and chewed to pieces. Enraged that her precious gifts had been so heartlessly devoured by our dog, my mom barged into the house and shouted for our schnauzer, Coda, to come. Not surprisingly, Coda was keeping a low profile, or so we thought. We found him a moment later lying on the floor in the family room, desperately trying to run to us, but unable to stand. Oh! From what we could tell, his front legs were working, but his hind legs were immobile. Sure enough, the sight of my dad sent him into joyful panic, and he proceeded to drag himself across the floor like a seal to get to him. We all freaked out and rushed him to the animal hospital to see what was wrong. Turns out schnauzers are particularly susceptible to macadamia nut poisoning. Fortunately, the vet told us that the paralyzing effects were only temporary and would go away within a few days. Once it became clear that Coda would be okay, everyone's mood shifted from fear and anxiety to smug satisfaction that our greedy dog had gotten the karma he so richly deserved. (laughs) None of us had gotten to try the magical macadamia nut clusters, and now we never would. Of course, it didn't take long for his pitiful seal crawl and sad face 
to have us all spoiling him for the next few days. But I don't think my mom ever forgave him for what he did. I hope you find this story as entertaining as our family does. We still laugh about it, and it's become a fond memory and a valuable lesson for all of us. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, those are some sour grapes. I like it. Yeah, I yeah. I, oh. love, I have one story that's close to this. Well, no, I probably have more, but one that comes immediately to mind where I ate an entire 64-ounce Hershey's bar to myself during Constantine, the movie. Oh, gosh. Oh, within 10 minutes of that movie being over, my friends who've been making fun of me like, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, pa ha ha ha. I was projectile vomiting. Oh. <laughs> Just chocolate. Oh, <laughs> gosh. It lasted for so long that, like, my friends eventually said, look, I got to go home. Ah. Feel better. <laughs> Wow. So that was pretty pretty quick. Oh, uh, dude. Just desserts. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm sorry that that happened to you, and I'm glad that an important lesson was learned that day. Semi-learned. <laughs> I still overeat quite often, but, but not maybe not, that. maybe not 64 ounces of chocolate. No, I don't do that anymore. Good for you. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Rose wrote, It is my civic duty to bring to light a very important topic. Pierogies versus pierogies. Not knowing the difference can have real-world consequences. It can cost you your livelihood. I kid you not. I know because it happened to me. In your recent episode on pierogies, they were described as pierogi are filled dumplings of Central and Eastern European origin made by wrapping unleavened dough around a savory or sweet filling and cooking in boiling water or pan frying. Personally, for the longest time, I was not fond of pierogies. I'm not a huge fan of the mashed potato filling, but I'm a huge fan of pierogies. From Wikipedia... Proshki are Russian and Ukrainian baked or fried yeast-leavened boat-shaped buns with a variety of fillings. Proshki are popular street food and comfort food in far eastern Europe. In Seattle, we have both a small Polish community and Ukrainian-Russian community, meaning we have both pierogies and proshki shops. Mostly proshki and even one of the most famous establishments in Pike Place Market, Proshki Proshki will have long lines wrapped around the corner to get one of their baked treats as cinnamon spice fills the air from their apple Proshki. Mm. With a variety of fillings, both sweet and savory, all wrapped in a fluffy yeasted dough and baked to golden perfection, Proshki can't be beat. Well, if you think those are fighting words, you're not wrong. Many years ago, I applied to a coveted work position in Japan. After going through several rounds of interviews, testing, and even flying to L.A. for the last interview stage, I thought I had a great chance at getting the position. The last interview was a group interview, and for some stupid reason, I brought up my love of piroshkis. Out of nowhere, one of the other interviewees pops up and corrects me and says, no, you mean pierogies, aghast. And a little startled, I said, no, pierogies, a baked delicious treat with different fillings from Russia. The second interviewee chimes in, no, that's a pierogi, and they're boiled, not baked, and they're Polish. Now, I was just mad. <laughs> First off, do not tell me there is no such thing as a pierogi, and second, don't fight with me about it during a job interview. After several back and forth, the other interviewees decided <laughs> I made up pierogi because I was too embarrassed to admit I was wrong. Needless to say, I did not get the job, and those two yutzes did. So, yes, people, they are a thing. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, don't correct Oof. somebody in a job interview. Yeah, that's so rude. Come on now. Oh, this is also why I strongly disapprove of group interviews. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I, I would say, Rose, that you probably actually, like, sort of lucked out. Because <laughs> any company that puts you through that does not have your best interests at heart. Yeah, then they don't even know about pierogi. Yeah, and they certainly didn't learn their lesson. No, they about didn't. delicious pierogi. No, they didn't. Lessons, very important lessons. Yes, I do want to add another thing from Montreal. I met someone from Alberta. Oh with yeah, the giant pierogi. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, she had pictures on her phone. <laughs> and she showed me the giant egg. Oh. It's huge and it moves. Oh, cool. I know. All right. But she was telling me all about all the pierogi options oh. where she's from, and I felt such jealousy. Yeah. We'll just have to go. Too bad, so sad. <laughs> Twist our arm. <laughs> well, thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saberpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod. Uh, and we do hope to hear from you. 
Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.